hair at the salon, but I felt it. It's very soft. Whoa, can I have some? Yeah, Abby, hook a sister up. Ugh, he looks like a hobo. A hot hobo. May I remind you what real men look like? <gasps> Fortown. Yes! Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Nostalgic. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And for this episode, we are doing a new release. I am Peter and sitting out uh, this time around is Mariano. He will be on the next episode, I'm sure. But for the first time in a while, I actually have a guest uh, joining me from the Tower of Self-Confidence is Sheena Yapchan. How are you doing, Sheena? Hey, Peter. Thanks so much for having me here today. It's such an honor. Oh, well, thank you. Um, honor. That's um, that's a very strong word uh, for, for just be, being on my little show here. But, uh, you know, we'll get into the story of how we met. But uh, I would love for you to share um, your podcast, uh, Tower of Self-Confidence. I've listened to a couple episodes. I really enjoy it. Um, I, I love that you empower women, talk about self-confidence and all these things. But it's your show. So, so, so tell us about like why you started it and what it is about. Yeah, I mean, for me, growing up in Toronto, I never had any Asian female role models to look up to in media, whether it was TV or magazines or even billboards. And so growing up, I always felt really ashamed of being Asian. You know, I always wanted to be blonde, have blonde hair and blue eyes because that's what I thought being beautiful was. And then it wasn't until my 20s where I decided, you know, to dye my hair from blonde back to my original color where I really embraced being Asian. And about five or six years ago, I was trying to find resources that catered to Asian women's confidence. And of course, I couldn't find any, right? I couldn't (laughs) find any at all. So a part of me just felt like, well, maybe something was wrong with me, right? Because I'm the only one feeling this way and there's nobody else talking about it. And also representation is very important for me, right? I wanted to highlight better representation for Asian women, especially since, you know, for centuries, we're always seen as the quiet, submissive and obedient ones. I wanted to showcase more stories of women overcoming their challenges, forging their own path, you know, having, you know, a diverse um, background of Asian women and also different career paths that they've taken and different ways to build confidence. And so that's when I started the podcast. Like when I first started, you know, going into this journey of podcasting, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I just knew it was on Apple iTunes and I just, you know, decided to check it out, research it, you know, invested in a course and started the podcast. Of course, it wasn't you know, easy, right? When we start something new, it's terrifying. Uh, we tend to second guess ourselves. We, t- especially women, we tend to overanalyze everything, thinking, "Well, what if they don't like my voice? What do they think I'm stupid? Uh, what if this show is going to be a failure?" But I'm glad I went ahead and and launched it, right? And so um, since then, I've interviewed over 700 Asian women from around the world on the topic of confidence and, you know, talking about things of going through cancer, uh, you know, domestic abuse, bankruptcy. I mean, like literally everything and realizing like we all go through similar things. Right. And having these stories not only makes us feel like we're not going crazy, we just it just shows us like anything is really possible. Yes, we're going to have challenges. Yes, we're going to go through bad times because that's just part of life. But, 
you know, we have, as Asian women, we're very strong and resilient and we can go out there and conquer anything if we put our mind to it. And then as an extension from my podcast, we also launched a book called Asian Women Who Boss Up, where we highlight the stories of 18 Asian women who are able to forge their own path, overcome obstacles and thrive. And this book has been my baby because, you know, you don't see 16 Asian women on the front cover of a book. And that's super powerful, um, you know, especially since 2022, we're still dealing with so much um, stuff from the Asian uh, the Asian community, you know, the racist attacks, especially the rise of violence against Asian women. We really need more media that represents a, a, a stronger representation of Asian women. You know, I'm really glad there's shows like the cleaning lady that showcases that, but we definitely need more. And even, you know, the movie that we're going to talk about is, is also a great way to, you know, just share about our culture and share about the things that we do, especially in the city that I live in. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really amazing stuff. And um, just over 700 Asian women is wild to be like, how do you even find uh, your, your, um, your interviewees to come on? I literally reach out to them. Like, you know, they just go out there and do it. Just ask them. I mean, of course, not everyone says yes. I want people to realize that. But I mean, I just focus on the people who say yes. Right. And I think it's important to, sh- to, sh- to share those things like, yeah, we reach out to people. Not everyone will say yes, but, you know, the ones who say yes will make such a huge impact. So I'm really grateful for all the women who did take the time to share their story, to be vulnerable, because I know as an Asian woman, it's not easy to share your story. You know, we're, we've been told to never make any noise, just do as you're told. If something horrific happens to us, we just keep it to ourselves. But really, our silence is killing us. And I mean, literally killing us with what's been going on in our community. And also, it happens in Canada as well. I, I have so many people that tell me, like, racism doesn't happen in Canada. I'm like, yeah, it does. I don't know, because maybe it's not talked about enough in the media, but it does happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the stereotype is that Canadians, you guys don't even lock your doors at night. Yeah, well, we do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, I, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned like the, the violence and stuff, you know, obviously there's the, the, the hashtag stop Asian hate and, um, you know, always amplifying the, the voices of the AAPI and the, uh, and and even that I, I read an article somewhere that we also shouldn't see be saying AAPI, but also to include um, NI and I'm I'm forgetting uh, some other letters, but you know you you have your um, you know, like Middle Eastern uh, uh, people also that can be included in, in in these acronyms, but but also we're we're kind of nearing like the anniversary of like the shootings in Atlanta, you know, at the spa too, so. You know, it, it continues on, unfortunately. Um, so the uh, yeah, I what I lo- love about your podcast and like this is the stuff that I um, looked into after, you know, I uh, you said that you'd come on the show. But, um, you know, off mic, I, I told you that I'm a father. What I also didn't reveal uh, that I, I have a daughter turning 20 soon. You know, and so like I can use things that I hear in your interview here to, you know, to connect with her a little bit, you know, because I'm like, I'm dad. What does dad know? You know, and so like maybe this um, could help me. But I also have a three year old daughter. I know that's a big age gap. Jesus. But but uh, I I can use this um, to to just kind of help as well. You know, like I, I don't want them growing up thinking that they can't come to me because I'm a dad and then I, I, I don't understand. And so that's also what boggles my mind is like, you know, when we saw this uh, review of turning red on social media, it's just like, bro, like how narrow-minded can you be? Like, do you not have a mother? Do you not have, you know, sisters or do you not have family members that are women? Like, 
you know, like, no, I, I would not go through a journey like May uh, would in, in, in this movie, but like we can uh, be educated as men too, you know, to, to look for some of these signs in, in young women in our family um, because my, uh, my 20 year old daughter, she actually grew up with her mother. So I wasn't around during her, I mean, I was around during puberty, but it's like these things didn't happen on my, uh, you know, quote unquote, my watch, you know, like the weekends I had her, like I, I, I never had to buy her pads. Like her, her mom did all of this stuff. So when my three-year-old daughter gets to that age, like I, I, I think I will be more prepared, obviously. Um, and also like how many, how many coming of age movies, there's plenty of uh, both, um, you know, for boys and girls, but like most of the ones I think of are like boys, you know, and, and I, um, I think this movie is really important. And I, I think in another 10 years, like my daughter, for example, who will be 13 by then, she, she who, who also watched it with me. This is one of the first movies that she's seen almost the entire movie all the way through because she has three, remember? So, you know, uh, attention span. But um, I think in 10 years, she's going to look back and be like, oh, that's what that meant. You know, like she's going to get all these metaphors. This is going to be a movie. This is going to be that example that kids will look back to and be like, that's wild. Did you, did you guys know that the red panda was metaphor for puberty? Like, you know, we look at movies that we grew up watching, but like, holy, holy cow, like that went over our head because we were kids, you know? And so um, so I, I think this this movie is, is going to be like, uh, I mean, obviously it's an instant classic. Um, I, I think it's going to be an important movie as well uh, for, for uh, young people. Um, so that is how we met. I mentioned this review uh, from Deadline by Sean O'Connell. And now I never read the entire review because I don't, where did you see this review first off? Because you shared a, a retweet of mine by Michelle Lee, who started the very Asian. Because I, I, I follow Michelle Lee and I saw that and it just like, it's so enraging, right? Because he's saying that this is catered to a specific and narrow audience but yet, you know, Hollywood for years has been whitewashing Asian characters, you know, to cater to white people. And it's like nobody ever said that. And because we have one movie that highlights an Asian girl as a lead, now it's considered as a narrow and specific audience when really it's not. I mean, any movie you watch can be catered to any audience. Right. I mean, a great example are K-dramas. Right. They don't even speak English. But do you know how what a big, diverse group um, K-dramas have as an audience, it's mind-boggling. And I, I love it, right? Because you see people from different cultures and, and you know, I'm just like in shock when they're like, you know, I watch Goblin 27 times and I've learned Korean because of K-dramas, right? And these are people who are not Asian, right? And I'm right. like, yeah. it's amazing. And so for him to say that is really ignorant, right? He, he doesn't think twice. He just thinks because he finds it like, you know, and he finds it that way. Not everyone's going to find it that way. We can all relate to that as a 13, every 13 year old girl can relate to what she's going through. Right. Especially with, you know, her mom, you know, trying to, well, maybe I won't spoil the scene yet, but like, you know, just the scenes in the movie, it, it's, it's very relatable to every girl who's growing up, who's in an awkward stage at 13 years old, trying to find herself. And also, um, you know, trying to also be that, the good daughter for their parents or the perfect daughter, which can get really um, frustrating and taxing at the same time. Right. And especially in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Being, um, being a child of immigrants, like I, um, I feel May, you know, like uh, in terms of like her mother, like my, my mom wasn't like that. It was more so my dad. Um, but I, I know 
I know people like like these uh, in in the entire movie, like uh, the, the the aunties and the grandmother. Like I know all these characters in in one family or another, but I don't recall. And I reviewed it on this very show. I don't remember uh, like a similar backlash with like Crazy Rich Asians. You know, uh, maybe because all those people were sexy. I don't know. Like you know, like I I, I find. Um, May just really adorable and her friends like I I knew these girls when I was 13 you know so like I just I I, I don't get it for him to use such um hateful words it was like you you cannot like a movie but like it's the it's the way you're coming at it you know it it it, it really upset a lot of people um and like when I saw it too I was just like oh so you don't like it because it's too Asian for you you know and like I'm familiar with the hashtag very Asian. Um, I was introduced to it um, shortly after Michelle's voicemail and I didn't even know she was on Ellen. And um, so when she shared mine, I was just all like, oh, that's cool. A verified person shared my tweet. And then I was like, oh, this is the, the, the news anchor the, the, with the viral. Yeah, so like, I didn't even know who she, uh, she was immediately when I got the retweet, even though I had seen like her viral video, which at the, it was like 3.8 million views at the, at the time I saw it. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that what I said was, you know, all that and bag of chips, but uh, I think I, clearly you agreed as well. You know, he had some. Yeah. I think for everyone is like, you know, he instantly deletes it because everyone's giving, right. him, giving him hate. Right. And the fact you're like, no, we have the receipts. Right. Like even right. if it's deleted from tw- Twitter, we all have it. We know what you said. And, you know, you have to be held responsible for it because it's it's important. These people need to be held responsible, especially with, with the violence against Asian women. You know, the media always, always sensational, sensationalize the predator. Right. They always say, you know, he had a bad day. He oh. had mental issues. He had. He's from the army. So what? So it gives them the right to go and attack innocent women for no particular reason other than their cultural background. I mean, yeah. it's 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 stupid, right? And it's like, and then we become the blame because we were there at the at that moment. Well, that's not our fault, right? You know, like um, with the uh, murder of Christina Una Lee. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that on social media and one guy's like, well, why is she going home late at night? I'm like, are you serious? Like, that's not the question. The question should be why the guy follow her and stab her 40 times for no apparent reason. And so like, we need to have them, you know, be held responsible. And so that's yeah. why your tweet just went viral and was shared because you're like, you're not out of the woods. Like we already saw it and you need to take responsible for it, like responsibility for it. Yeah, I, I like what you said about like, you know, um, how people are are uh, kind of like apologizing for these predators and such. It's like, um, why does it matter? She was oh, walking home at, at night or, or whatever anybody is doing, you know, like she was having somebody's having a good day. Why do they why should they be attacked? You know, so like instead of trying to explain it for the other person, like, yeah, think about the victim, like uh, nobody asked for it. You know, so, um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really frustrating. And that in itself is exhausting. Not the damn movie, Sean. So, um, yeah, I, the, the interesting thing about that uh, whole ordeal after he deleted his tweet, you know, deadline comes out. And I think it was the the, the editing or the chief editor or whatever his yeah. title is. And, and Sean is like the editing 
no, the managing editor, whatever that is. Yeah. But but they said, oh, we're just going to reassign. Like, re, like reassign. You guys going to give somebody else, you know, uh, a second chance at this? Like, no, you guys need to address this. And I haven't followed up. I do wonder. And I'm sure nothing happened. You know, he's just. Yeah. Gonna... I mean, he did. He. I think he had like a, a half-ass apology. So. <laughs> oh yeah, if you can even call it that. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely <laughs> an empty apology, as as you see uh, very often, like you know, basically like, oh, this is you guys, not me, you know, but I'm sorry, you know, just a shoulder shrug is really what uh, his apology was like. Um, I, I obviously would have preferred like a screenshot of like a well thought out written apology that was typed out, you know, instead of like, okay, I have what 200 some odd characters to make this sound good. And like, again, like, bro, you're, you're a, a critic and you, and your words are like shit, <laughs> you know, and your apology. Yes. So, uh, anyway, that's enough of that. So that, yeah. So that's how we found each other. And, and I was like, all the people that was sharing, retweeting, or just liking it as well. Like I, uh, I thought, like it made me feel some type of way because it's like, look at all these professionals that like are you know th- that are kind of following the story as well. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and just to um, throw this out there before we get into the movie, um, y- you know, like I, I kind of joked in our tweet that you know we would be. Uh, doing a hashtag very Asian review of uh, uh, turning red, but um, do you have some social media uh, accounts that you follow that w- you would consider like variation just to throw? Uh, wait, very Asian just to throw out for anybody if they want to follow. Yeah, I mean, well, Michelle Lee did start the Very Asian Foundation, so they right, right. on Twitter. I mean, even following her is great, and her um, and. I follow the angry Asian man because he's very Asian and always he's lo- been around for a while. Yeah. And I just like how he calls out the things that are just not right, you know, like, and it's important to do that. Right? It's important to call them out now because for a while we've been silenced from it. Right. Also uh, jackfruit, but it's um, spelled F R O O T. So there's, they're also a new site that shares a lot of stuff. Um, uh, there was another one. Um, Asian feed is one I, I follow. Yeah, there and then I think there's another very Asian one, but it's called like veryasian.co. So yeah, those are some that I follow. Um, I mean, of course, I follow Sandra O oh because she's the queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love her. So that's another one that I follow. So yeah. Yeah, uh, with Asian feed, that's how I found the story because um they, they share all types of things. And um, I don't know. If it's a weekly thing, but um, they also do a thing where they find like wholesome um, uh, videos, whether it's TikTok, Instagram or whatever. And uh, and then those are always fun, too, because there's like a, a few of those people that are like uh, like the comedian TikTokers where they're um, like, oh, when your parents do this and then they'll play the parents and the kid. So uh, but yeah, that's how I, I found the review. And I was like, oh, well, and then I immediately looked up the guy to see if I could find other things. But then I found like the screenshot, the one that I ended up sharing as well. Like, yeah, yeah. It's because at the time I didn't know his, his tweet was deleted. Like, aha, see, we, we keep receipts, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so Asian feed for me and also um, for anyone that's Laotian, like I am uh, Laos supply or Laos supply. I don't remember if it's Laos supply or Laos supply. It might be one S or two S, but um, that one is like mostly like um, uh, Laotian and Thai 
Um, and, but it, but what I like about it, since it's so specific, there's uh, athletes and musicians that I'm not privy to. And I like, I, I feel that we are so maybe not underrepresented, but like our, our country is so third world that like, you don't know what we are, you know, like I often joke, you know, when people are like, Oh, what's Lao food? Like I go, you had Thai food. They're like, yeah, I go, well, Thai food is Lao food. Just throw some peanuts on it. And that's really the difference, (laughs) you know, but um, the, the dialect is, is very similar to Thai, but um, yeah, I, I discovered like a, uh, a TikToker who ended up going on like the next level chef with like Gordon Ramsay. That's one of my peoples. So it's always great to see people that look like us. You mentioned representation uh, uh, mattering and people have asked me like on my Cobra Kai podcast, like who's your favorite character? And I was like, you know, Miyagi has always been one of my favorite characters since I was young because back in the eighties, he was like one of the few, if not the only character that wasn't your stereotype. You know, yeah. like every, everybody else was a stereotypical, you know, uh, Asian with the, the glasses and the camera and what have you. Miyagi was a badass that nobody even like questioned yeah. it, you know. So, all right. So here we go. Uh, take us a while to get here. Uh, we will talk about uh, Turning Red. It did come out this year, 2002. Um, so what we'll do is uh, kind of give our um, non-spoiler first impressions. Uh, but before we get into the movie, some other movies that came out this weekend, uh, I'm really looking forward to this and it will uh, be our next review, but the Adam project um, with uh, Ryan Reynolds and I think it's directed by Sean Levy, but uh, time travel, I'm all about time travel. So that's why I'm definitely going to check it out. And there's this other movie that I'm really fascinated about. It's called, um, if I can get it up here, it's called like Tyler's Tyler's Run, I believe. Oh, great! Now my computer wants to um, move slowly, but it's a. I, I believe. See, I don't want to get the details wrong, but um, I believe the son he is on the spectrum, and his father is like some sort of like track coach, and I think the son wants to find that connection with his dad and wants to learn how to run faster. And so, like, I, I remember watching the trailer. And um, the actor that that was in Captain Phillips, where he's like, I am the captain now. Like, I, I think uh, the, the the kid he goes to him is like, yeah, I want to learn how to run fast like you. And so, like, it looks like a tearjerker, you know, and, and I love a feel good uh, movie. <laughs> so so those are the two movies uh, of note uh, to me. And the number one song that came, or maybe not came out, but it's number one uh, this time is called Heat Waves by Glass Animals. never heard of them sorry <laughs> yeah yeah you know and that's the funny thing about this too because like uh i do a lot of old movies as well and those songs i'm usually more familiar with uh, but this one i bet you i've heard it on the radio i just don't know it by name but you guys would have heard it in post here so cool number one number two it's number one in our household we don't talk about bruno so there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's so funny too again like when this you know dumb review came out i was just like man like encanto is all we watch and listen to in this household too and like yeah it's not us but like you know it appeals to everybody so all right turning red uh this one was uh directed by uh domi Shi. um this was actually her first feature 
Um, so uh, amazing job here. And it's uh, a lot of women um, that's also um, be- behind the scenes here, which is also amazing because there's plenty of jobs and it's like, you know, you have, you know, uh, women editors and, and all these things. So it, it's always nice to see names that are seemingly women. And the writer, uh, Domi Shi, also uh, contributed to the story, but also uh, Julia Cho was also the um, screenplay writer. So not familiar with them by name, but uh, playing May, your lead, the 13-year-old Chinese Canadian, which also, by the way, I watched this with an 11-year-old Chinese, uh, Chinese American. So she really enjoyed this movie. So voiced by Rosalie uh, Chang. I'm not familiar with her, but Sandra Oh, you you, you mentioned, um, plays her mother, uh, Ming. And um, just looking through the names, I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of these other names, but of Lee uh, May's friends, my favorite's Abby. I don't know if you have a favorite. I love Abby. She's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> she is like, like she... I love her. She's got this energy kind of like what I know of my wife when she was probably that age. But what I find hysterical is like she always has this like mean mugging face, even if she's happy. Yeah. You know, and, and I just look when she gets all mad, she like just starts bouncing uh, you know, out in Korean, which yeah. is great. too. So, yeah. Yeah. Abby's my MVP for this movie. Um, so, you know, obviously, yeah, it, it's about May who. um you know, is going through puberty and the red panda is in, if you watch the, the behind the scenes on, on Disney plus, uh, Domi, she, she refers to red panda as the magical puberty. So like, I, I thought that was really interesting. Like, um, I, I feel there was an emphasis on the word magical. Obviously she transformed into a red panda, but, uh, so yeah, non-spoilery, um, uh, you know, oh, give me your first impression of watching this movie. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was, it was great. You know, how she, um, the story, how she portrayed it. It was just really great. And it was very lighthearted. And it's just a whole wholesome movie that we can all watch, that all audiences can watch. Um, and for me, it's a little more personal because not only is it an Asian, uh, of an Asian, all Asian cast, um, but it's also set in my city of Toronto. So for me, it's like, nostalgia right seeing like the different references and you know the different sites it was just like it felt like I was watching my home but on a big screen tv and it just felt really great so and it's always different when you see a movie that's based in your hometown right you're gonna be like oh my god I remember that oh my god this is so cool and then you start talking about it with your friends right all the references because we all grew up with it so for me I loved it I mean I watched it again so I've already watched it more than once (laughs) Oh yeah, but it's funny because I told you who I watched it with, and um, um, my wife she had her her bestie over, and they were all all, all the grownups were downstairs, and I was up there upstairs with the kids watching this, you know, for the review. But I, know, I noticed a few times my wife would come up to check on the kids, and she'd just kind of glance over. Why aren't you watching this downstairs? I go, you guys were busy doing other things, you know. I didn't want to start a movie and no one pay attention because. You know, since none of them listen to this podcast, they were all on their phones. All the parents were on their damn phones and I was upstairs with the kids watching freaking Turning Red. But um, yeah, and so it was like, hey, you guys missed out. You guys will just have to watch it another time. But um, yeah, and it's funny too, because like I mentioned my my wife's goddaughter who I was watching it with, it's like, I was trying to tell her parents, I was like, is it about a Chinese Canadian? Come on, this is your people. Like, let's watch this movie. And like, I I don't know. Maybe they just wanted, you know, a, a little decompression from from the kids. I I totally get it. 
But um, I, I really like what you said about like, yeah, it's, it's, it's from where you're from. And I'm from Portland, Oregon, and we don't have a lot of movies that's really that really takes place here. We we get things that get filmed here because it looks gloomy. So we have like a look. But I think of movies like um, Mr. Holland's Opus that takes place in Portland, Oregon. And and that's one of my favorite movies. And um, not a lot. I feel not a lot of people know this, really. But uh, anybody that's a fan of The Simpsons the 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 creator is from portland oregon so springfield yeah it can be springfield anywhere but it's it's really portland guys just so you guys know um since since we're claiming you know things here um but yeah it, i again i mentioned a lot of the characters i i know people like this and, and they didn't have to be asian they just happen to be asian like this isn't about an asian family it's about a family that just happens to be asian and so like i you know, I, I mentioned Crazy Rich Asians earlier, like I, it's two separate movies. Like that, that was very specific, you know, um, target audience. I guess I never really thought about it, but like, it's just like, hey, this is what some of us are. Like, you know, um, I, I think obviously it was based on a book, but it, 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 I, I feel like when that movie came out, for me at least, it's like, hey, look, we can be sexy people too. You know, we can be these movies that you guys want to go and, and, and watch. So um, it, it's just, it, it is nice to see people like us for a change. And I'm sitting there watching Turning Red. And this is what it feels like for you guys, huh? <laughs> you know? Um, now, the, 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 one, the one character, uh, and, and like I, I have seen people like this, but I was hoping to relate to the character a little bit more, but the dad, right? Oh, what, what, did you, what did you think about the dad? Like, I thought he was adorable, sweet, but like, I, I just- supportive. Yeah, like he was just, so supportive of, um, of, of May, just like going out and showing up as her own self, right? And you know, I talk about self-confidence and, you know, self-confidence is really about showing up as your authentic self. And it's hard for an Asian girl to do that when you're tied to, you know, honoring your parents, being that perfect daughter and trying to, you know, step out on your own, especially at an age of 13, when things are a little bit weird and awkward and you're not really sure what to do. And so when, you know, Domi, she like, you know, portrayed that and showcased that, like it was very relatable because any 13 year old girl would would go through that. Right. Um, and so it's important. And I'm glad she was able to show that because a lot of, a lot of Asian kids go through that, right. Like they're, they're, they're like wrestling between being that perfect daughter and then being themselves, like being able to like boys. Right. Most of, I mean, like, you know, Sandra O oh did like a really great representation of the character she played, you know, just the little things that she had, you know, when she was like, what is wrong with you? Put some clothes on, right? Like it was, you know, that, and because that happens in real life, right? And even showcasing the trauma of her of her mother too, right? Because she was just doing the same thing that was passed on from generation to generation to generation. And that's why we're still going through these same uh, traumas that we're going through because it's generational. And so being able to showcase that, I hope it opens up a lot of eyes for people to realize like, this is why, you know, our parents are going through it because that's all they were able to, that, that's all they were able to like be raised on, right? Those values. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and so maybe this is a little bit deep for, for the movie, but like, you know, it makes a lot of sense because we need to uh, learn to, you know, stop, stop what's going on so we can have, you know, we can help more people out there. We can show them like, it's okay to be yourself. I mean, I'm not saying don't listen to your parents, but there's also a medium, right? Of course, we love our parents, right? They gave us life. They did everything for us. But, you know, we 
we, we are always taught to like serve to the point that we forget ourselves, that we forget to honor ourselves, which was like the same thing they mentioned in the movie. We have to also learn to honor ourselves, to love ourselves, to give time to ourselves, to um, if we make a mistake, just be like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Right. <laughs> so um, that's what I loved about it. That almost like, you know, when they showcase um, the younger version of Sandra O's oh character, like that made me tear up because I know it's, it's hard. It's hard. Right. She's just doing what she was taught to do and she's just passing on the same thing that she was told to do as well yeah yeah not not, not gonna lie i'm gonna act a little bro here but uh young uh, ming probably somebody i would have hollered at when i was younger you know she was, she was looking pretty good there um yeah the uh, I, I i you bring it up uh her mom and 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 her kind of like you know being like her mother yeah it, there's a cycle right like like we um, it's funny because like, I feel like growing up, I, I kept on telling myself, like, I'm not going to be like my dad, but I ended up being like my dad, you know? And so like, I think parents can also uh, watch this and be like, yeah, there's definitely like a, like a parental cycle here and not necessarily we need to break it, but we also need to acknowledge that it exists and, and it can be um, really hard on, on the kids because like times have changed and, and the, the, the way of, of, of parenting, you know, like articles and, and professionals come out and say like, okay, well, this was acceptable in society back then, but, you know, in, uh, in terms of like mental health, like, you know, this is the way we should be doing things now. So I think we can also look at turning red in, in that aspect from, from a parent's perspective as well. Yeah. I just, I, I think I could have used a little bit more from the dad and, and I, I do like what he does at the end of the movie. What, one of the other things I, I really liked about it is like the music. Yeah. You know, yeah. So like um, all the old, old, old songs. Well, not old. Let's say the throwbacks. <laughs> yeah. Some traditional music, you know, and they and they kind of modernize it a little bit. Now, I don't know if I just missed it, but did you did you know when this took place? I think it's probably like in the early 2000s or late 90s because they had a CD of the four town, but it was like the 99, 1999 version. So it was probably around that era. Uh-huh. And they still have the old school like Nokia phones where you're playing the one and only game, the snake game. Right. Okay. Um, it's probably around that era. <laughs> the, yeah, you're really astute. To, yeah, the uh, in that, it was probably just me, but um, I noticed the phones. I didn't think anything of them, but I was just um, in the the behind the scenes on. Um, I think it's called Embrace the Red. I like, see the you know inside baseball, you guys. Like I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually on zoom on my phone, which I needed for like resources and such. So I don't have like all the right windows up, but somewhere I saw that it takes place in 2002. And I go, man, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, but I was just, and so, so I didn't, I didn't pick up on the, on the CD thing, you know, that, that it said 99 on it. So it's just, I, again, I had a couple of kids running around in the room while I'm trying to pay attention, but uh, it makes so much sense, uh, especially for town like immediately i thought of h town the boy band but uh it, it screams nsync slash backstreet boys obviously on wikipedia i think for town even has like a um uh, a star in it like nsync does yeah it's so, so that makes a lot of sense but uh other than that like you probably couldn't really pinpoint it so i i do wonder the decision to making it take place in 2002 because um, I, I i do feel like this is personal to domi shi the the writer and director and uh it's it's like you, you guys really got to watch the the behind the scenes because they show like uh pictures of her when she was younger and uh her and one of the um uh, other women that's uh, behind 
um, this film that they were taking elements from their lives and even their like physical looks to making like some of these characters. So I, I just really enjoyed how how this uh, film was made. But um, I, I think we'll um, we'll we'll finish up right there for our non spoiler like kind of first impressions. Um, I, I, I if you couldn't tell by now, uh, you know you and I, I think we both really enjoyed the movie. Obviously, you you, you got a second um, watch in. I didn't get to, but I do want to watch this again. Obviously. So uh, at this point, if you guys, for whatever reason, is listening to a review of Turning Red and have not yet seen it, uh, this is your chance to pause. I'll play a short clip. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into more details uh, that are spoilery. So uh, again, last chance to pause the episode and come back later. So, Sheena, you're the guest. Anywhere do you want to start right now in terms of uh, just kind of getting into details? Um, honestly, I really love the one pickup line that May had when they were like in the basketball court and they're just like looking at boys. And he was like, like Tyler. Yeah. And no, I think it was, it wasn't, was it Tyler? It was just a bunch of boys, I think. But she was okay. like, Are you a triangle? Cause you're a cute. <laughs> like, oh, like oh, I thought that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just like, it's just so cute and like innocent and, you know, it's just like 13 year old girls like, you know, liking boys. Right. Um, but in Asian culture, a 13 year old girl liking a boy is like, oh no, 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 you're too young for that. You can't do that. And like you mentioned, there was, um, scenes in the movie that, you know, was that actually happened to like Domi Shi, especially with, you know, the school scene where she, she comes and tries to give her a pack of pads, you know, Um, I think that actually happened to her in real life. So, I mean, if if that happened to any 13 year old girl, I mean, they would be mortified. I know I would be, I would be thinking like, it's the end of the world for me. Um, but yeah, like, uh, and, and just, um, what other scenes are there, you know, just, uh, seeing even for, for town, right. Like just, I love the characters they have for, for, for town because they made it super diverse. Like they even had like a Korean guy named Young, which is like a common name in like K-pop bands. Right. So, um, seeing that was really great. And just seeing all the Toronto references, like, you know, the Timbits, uh, which is like, a uh, Timbits are like little donut balls. You know, Tim Hortons is a huge donut chain, coffee and donut chain here. They've got, they've evolved to like sandwiches and stuff, but, um, you know, if you see that those box of Timbits, that's actually, you know, something we all get here. Um, and there's a Tim Hortons in literally every corner in, in Toronto, like literally, <laughs> like by my house there's probably like three within two minute a two minute drive um and then even seeing like the attractions like the cn tower and the sky dome which is now called the rogers center but it was called the sky dome before just seeing all that was just like really great even seeing like our transit like the the ttc and her showing off her card like well i'm an adult now well according to ttc i am (laughs) it's so it's so funny and just even showcasing chinatown and like um, the friendship between the four girls, you know, they always had each other's backs, no matter what, even if they had uh, problems with each other, they always, you know, found a way to make up, right. And just be friends again. Right. Like when Miriam was telling uh, me, like, you threw me under the bus, how could you do that? And, you know, 
as, as, as Asian people, we tend not to admit our mistakes, but she was like, you were right. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to do that. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, so afraid because we are afraid, right? We're all afraid of, you know, disappointing our parents, right? We're so afraid of, you know, that disapproval and, you know, the, the, the Asian parent guilt, right? Like that is real, you know, it makes you like, feel like you're the worst child in the world. So I can understand where she's coming from. Cause she's like, I just want to make my mom happy. I just want to make her proud. I just want to, I just want her to see me as that perfect daughter. Right. And, um, learning, learning to let go of that. Like she was able to let go of that through, through her journey, um, being able to say like, this is me, I'm not going to change, but I still love you. I still want you in my life. And so them being able to find a way to have both, right? Like you can't, you know, sometimes we feel like we have to choose one or the other, but why can't we have both, right? Like, why can't we find a way to do that? And we can, if we really choose to, because if not, like, this is why, like, there's so many Asian women out there just kind of struggling with with mental health and confidence and self-esteem because they feel like they always have to live up to someone else's expectations, not realizing, like, that's really going to hurt us in the end. Yeah. I want to piggyback on you commenting on on her friends and having each other's back. Like, I think their friendship is so sweet. Like, they totally get each other. And I, I love, like, the um, when we first are introduced to these characters and they just, they have their little quirks and stuff like that. But um, I love the part where they're trying to cheer her up and Miriam breaks out into beatboxing and Priya's doing, like, the whole, oh, yeah. You know, like, uh, kind of being, like, the... I don't know, kind of like the, the the hype woman, but I feel like it, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, the DJ screaming in the background kind of thing. But yeah, I I, I love, um, what do they call themselves? Like the, the four townies or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, so yeah, so that's that's really cute. But but Tyler, um, again, like not picking up that this took place like in the early aughts, uh, I, Tyler also has like a Band-Aid on his cheek. I was just like, is this kid supposed to be like Nelly or something? Like that's that's what it <laughs> kind of took me to because that's, that's around that time as well. Like, you know, Nelly, I think it came out like towards the end of my high school years. So mm-hmm. that, that'd be about the time that he was, um, that was, yeah, I think he was already hot by 2002. 2002 is when Dilemma came out. You know, he was already a big star by then, but um, let's talk about the red panda really, you know, when, when May 1st changes into it, uh, I'm always like not looking necessarily, but, uh, often I find myself when I'm watching a, mo- a movie, I see something and it, it always kind of reminds me of like other movies and intentional or not, it's just kind of how I guess my mind is wired, but, um, just a couple other coming of age movies that, that, um, some, some sequences it reminded me of like when May first wakes up and she's already the red panda. She's kind of going about her day, not knowing what she looks like physically at the point. And that kind of reminded me of like Tom Hanks is big, you know, where he woke up and he was like a 30 year old man. And he's like walking through his room and he's like in his tiny whiteies and doesn't know that he's a grown ass man until he looks at himself in the mirror. So I got that vibe. And then, and, and maybe this is something more that uh, Sean O'Connor can relate to more, but like the movie Teen Wolf from 1985. Like yeah. Jay Fox, you know, turns into a wolf, you know. So th- there you go, Sean. There's something that you can see yourself in. Um, but <laughs> s- same thing, right? Like May's walking around as like this big red panda, and so like, um, you know, like I, I, I don't know if this is like a, a big discussion with movie Teen Wolf, but like you could look at that as puberty, you know, uh, not just like something that was passed uh, passed on from um, through his lineage. Like May, it's very similar in my opinion. So. What did you think of the look of the red panda? So she's like a red, uh, like an eight foot 
yeah uh, red panda i loved it it was so cute and so fluffy i just wanted to give give the panda a hug <laughs> and like, like those girls in the bathroom <laughs> yeah red, red is my color and so um you know i loved it like it was all red you know because for me red's a lucky color as well it's also right. my color for me it represents confidence and courage so for me i just loved it i just love the color red and why not have a red panda right i mean sky's the limit you know putting our imagination to um, different things like uh it, you know i love it it doesn't have to always be black and white right it could be other colors things like that so i really love the red panda <laughs> yeah i thought i thought it was a really interesting choice to to have may's hair change uh, yeah. as well and you see like that that that's the, the same color as her um, red panda fur as her her hair color so that kind of goes back and forth a little bit um so you know from from a woman's perspective can you talk about like uh uh what you thought about like all the all the different metaphors because i i thought that it was um t- to me i thought it was like her menstrual cycle like you know the the color red so i didn't realize that it was like no it's full-blown puberty talking about like body odor and growth of hair which i didn't even think about you know uh until until i watched the behind the scenes where they talked about it more in details so i was trying to pick up these things but obviously i'm not a girl's but uh can you talk about like uh the things that you picked up on in terms of um may going through her transformation in puberty yeah, I think it's just the, the awkwardness where right? we all feel a little bit awkward. This is the first time it's happened to us. We don't know, like, you know, especially when you find out for the first time and you don't know what to do, right? And then everyone's trying to tell you something and you're so embarrassed. You're like, no, just go away. I don't need your help. Even though secretly you do, but at the same time you don't because you're like, this is so embarrassing. And, you know, we're always afraid to ask for help because it just, it's seen as a weakness, right? Like we don't know what we're doing, but we really don't know what we're doing, right? Especially when you're 12 or 13 and that's the first like step into womanhood. And like, I love how they're just like, now we're into womanhood, right? Because they have, they have the red panda, but just even um, being able to showcase, like, it's okay to talk about that because most of the time it's a taboo topic, but, you know, we should be talking about this more because, you know, women get it, (laughs) you know, women get it at a very young age, sometimes at, you know, 11 or 10. And so if we don't have resources like, like Red Panda talking about it, and even if it's in a light note, lighter note, it's better than not talking about it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Now more and more people are talking about, you know, periods and things like that. And I don't know if people just think it's distasteful to talk about it, but you know, it's a part of our human nature. Like we should be able to talk about it and talk about the weird body changes we're going through or her like starting to like boys more. Right. Like she's yeah. and she's like, her eyes are twinkling and her friends are like, what are you doing? It's just, what's his name, right? Why are you looking at him like differently, right? Because now she doesn't see him as like that boy anymore. She's like, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. Or even drawing the guy from the Daisy Mart. Um, and she's like, what's so good looking about him anyway? And then he keeps drawing. He's like, actually, he's he's actually pretty cute. And then she starts picturing him herself with him. And she's like, oh, my God. And then she feels embarrassed because she likes a boy. But, you know, um, it's it's all it's all part of the pro- like our journeys. Right. Uh, you know, it, you know, it doesn't matter who you like, of course. But like in her storyline, you know, that's what that was her her journey, her experience. Yeah, you kind of pose a great question. Like, why is it taboo to talk about puberty? We all go through it. Doesn't matter which gender. And people that don't uh, identify with certain genders, we all go through puberty. So why is it taboo? And why are people calling? I mean, and, and because like we haven't seen anything like this, but like I did see that um, there was a headline and, and it, like it, it meant no disrespect or anything like that, but they were calling it out like, yeah, 
no, me, she, she is, um, you know, like taking a risk here because this isn't like a story that has really been told in this, uh, you know, Pixar Disney uh, type of way. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, I, I think it's great. My, you know, obviously my daughter was three, is three, but uh, she would get terrified when um, the red panda's eyes would turn red. Oh, yeah. It's different. We get different mood swings, right? Um, right. Realize that, right? Like one day you're happy, the next day you're not, you know, you get irritated more. Uh, some for some people, they tend to eat more, right? And that's all just like part of the hormones, um, you know, when you go through through your period. So, <laughs> and, 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 and I think they, it's important to show that like, it's okay if we feel those emotions because it's all part of our human nature. It's all part of like the cycle we go through every 28 days or so, right. Depending on each person. Um, I, I mean, I just recently found out too, that like female dogs get periods like twice a year. So twice a year. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, it, you know, speaking of the, the periods, like I, I, I like how like the dad was talking about, Oh, the next red moon is the 25th or whatever. It's just like a whole month or, yeah. um, you know, I'm forgetting the actual dialogue, but I, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Like this movie is legit funny. Um, I, I, I forgot what sequence it, it, it was, but there was a, um, a physical reaction that her mother Ming does. I, I don't know if it was like, she was talking to the husband or, or her mom, but she just did this thing with like her lip, you know, it's like, it was really subtle, but I noticed it like a lot of thought went into the animation and, and, and how people would react to stuff. One of my laugh out loud moments is when like Ming, she's clearly, you know, up in her feelings about what's going on with May. And then like the dad's like, Oh, your mom's on the phone. And then like she cowers. And, you know, <laughs> so hilarious. Um, let, let's talk about the, you know, this movie being so horny, uh, you know, uh, made like in all the boys. I, I thought it was pretty funny. So I don't know what the hell, you know, again, Sean was talking about because we don't say anything in film or even animation when a guy, uh, boys like girls, you know, like um, when we're not watching Encanto in this household, we're watching a lot of uh, you know, the music videos or the music clips from other animation animated movies you know because my, my kids they all love music we still watch let it go so like yeah. that's like like my nine-year-old he's he's been done with that song for like four years but now his three-year-old sister and and one and a half year old brother loves that song it comes on they both run to the tv but tangled is one of them is what i'm getting to and entangled she like loves Flynn, you know, and then and whatever and you can kind of see like maybe she doesn't really chase after him, but like she's been locked up in the tower. So she really hasn't seen a boy. So like, I don't remember hearing people talking about her yeah. being horny for Flynn. Or her marrying <laughs> Flynn. Like when you think about it, she was like 18 at the time. Nobody ever said anything about that. And yeah. she's going to make a comment about a 13 year old gr girl who has a crush on a boy, which is like, and it's it sh like it should be something innocent, right? Like, you know, we're going to have crushes on boys like that's part of being a 13 year old. Right. And then that you just call it horny. Why? Because she's a girl. And if it were the other way around, they would not say that about a boy. Right. They would be like, oh, no. the boy is liking the girl. But when the girl likes a guy, it's like now she's ca called horny. Like, come on. You know, there's right. so double standards. I mean, I mean, we could go on for another hour about that. But I'm just saying, like, we need to stop having this double standards for boys and girls, right? Why can it be the same thing, right? It's like, she also likes a boy. That's it. Like that was, that's all she portrayed, like her having a crush on boys. When you like hit puberty, you're going to go through those different 
stages, right? You're going to start liking boys or girls or whoever you prefer. I mean, it's, it's part of life, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not like she's doing something that's like horrendous. It's just her having that schoolgirl crush. Yeah. It, it just, it, it made some men uncomfortable. This is probably what it is. Uh, but I, I do love that, um, you know, she has this like, it's, it's not a journal, but you know, she, she has this, this, this book that she likes to doodle in. And uh, it's so funny too. Cause again, my, my wife's goddaughter, she loves to draw and she's really good too. So again, like I, I'm watching her watch this movie. I'm like, Oh, she's, she totally sees herself. And like, it just, it, it just warms my heart um, for, for her to have this movie for, for her. So, but yeah, I, I love like all the drawings and like, I did not expect her mom to find it. And then like, even if she did, like, I didn't expect it so early on in the movie too. Yeah. And then to go straight to the Daisy Mart to like rent the boy. Oh my God. <laughs> How old are you? 30? <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was super hilarious. I kind of like, like low key, like the, uh, the character of Tyler as well. Like I, I thought that it was funny that he was like a, a closet, like for townie at the end to like, trying to hide because he was he himself is embarrassed so like yeah i if anything like the, the the younger audience what i hope that they take away from this is seeing characters like tyler like may her friends and like it's okay to feel something good or bad like it is okay um and you know there will be people uh, there to help you out you just have to let them if you want them obviously uh, what what did you think about like the the aunties and and the grandmother showing up and, and um... I love them. I was like I hope I can dress like them at their age. Like, <laughs> you know, when you see them coming in and they all just kind of uh, zoom the four of them first, and you're like, oh my god, they're the best. There's like the they're like the type of aunties you have at home, right? And then you have the grandma. Um, you know, I just I just loved all of them. And then one of the voices of the aunties is like um, she used to be in Orange Is a New Black, and she's also from. Uh, she plays the grandma for um, Nora from Queens, and she, I love her. She's hilarious. I forget. I don't remember her name. Who, who, who did she play in Orange? Chang. She, yeah, I think she was Chang. Yeah, she has like. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, she she voiced one of the aunties in the video uh, in the movie, uh, but I just love her because she's hilarious. Like, if you ever watch Nora from Queens, like she's my favorite character. I mean, the grandma. And, um, the, the, that, that's the one with Aquafina. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm, I'm familiar, familiar with it. I, mean, I always loved the grandma characters, even on Fresh Off the Boat. Like my favorite character was always the grandma because she was just hilarious. She was always like on point with the snide comments and the comebacks. And it's like very typical, right? Um, when you like, it's something you can relate to. So um, I love them. I thought they were hilarious. I thought they were like phenomenal. <laughs> Um, so as we uh, kind of get ready to wrap up, well, what's any of the other scenes uh, that you could think of that you kind of want to touch on a little bit? Um, I think we've touched on a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I guess my my conversations about the movie has been more of a deeper level, but I do want people to realize it is a very lighthearted movie, but they just um, portrayed all these like things that we go through in such a great way that we can relate to and realize like, you know, sometimes too, when you're in a, you're in a place where you feel like you're the only one going through that, like seeing that is like a really breath of fresh air, like knowing that, you know, we all go through this, you know, and it's something that we need to learn to embrace and change and uh, learn to come out more as ourselves, you know, being okay with that, you know, our greatest lessons are always from children. That's what I think, um, you know, being able to see like, here's a 13 year old who's also just going through that, right? Like, how does she, 
navigate that? How does she uh, learn to step into her own person, learn to not to honor herself too, while honoring her parents, right? She's not, it's not like she's not honoring them. She wants to do both um, and instead of, you know, trying to pick one or the other. So that's what I really loved about that. Um, maybe because it's a little bit more personal for me, but um, just seeing that was really great. I kind of teared too in towards the end of that. Um, and just, uh, I think for me, like, it's just a really great movie to watch for any person at any age, right? Like my niece who's like 26. She's like, oh my God, I'm so like me. <laughs> she what she yeah. watched, right? So it's funny to like tie herself to character. I think I would be more of an Abby. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. You know, and, and uh, again, like, you know, it uh, at the end of the day, it's a great story. It doesn't matter if you look like them or not. I think that's just more rewarding if you if you do like because because we don't see, see ourselves enough. But like, you know, I haven't really said it, but if you kind of just pick up on some of the things I have been saying, like, I love Abby. If, if anything, Abby's my favorite character. I want to be Abby. You know, I'm not yeah. Tyler or one of the the four towns. Like, I can care less about. You know, like I I don't really even identify with any of those like i i feel i'm abby's my spirit animal you know like <laughs> like like I, I just love her spunk you know and, and and all that um and like for me you know this movie is 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 not just a movie for some people right like especially for a little asian girl watching like this is big for them right now they can see themselves in a movie they can see other possibilities so I mean, for, for, for a person, it may be just a movie, right? Um, but for, for us who's never had representation all our lives and finally see ourselves in a Pixar movie, it's everything. And I think we need to point that out because, um, you know, sometimes like people just don't see how powerful showcasing movies from different cultures. I mean, Canada and America is a huge melting pot. So it, it makes sense to have movies from different cultures because we live in a multicultural city or country or state or province. Like Toronto is, is a, is a huge melting pot. I mean, we have, uh, you know, very diverse cultures. So, I mean, and you can see that in the movie, like, you know, you see the diverse characters, whether it's the security guard, uh, you know, the, the kids, the teachers, you know, that's how it is in Toronto. It is very, very diverse. So it is important to, for me, it's important to showcase movies from different cultures, you know, having Encanto and Turning Red and, you know, all these other movies, because we want to learn from, about their culture too. And this is also a great way for them to see, oh, so this is what they do. This is what happens. Of course, you know, they probably put a little more, you know, things into it, but at least, you know, we could see um, people from different cultures and, and appreciate it and learn to, um, you know, live together, right? Like it's a great way to say, you know, we live together as one, regardless of our culture. Yeah. I love that. I, I love how you just um, uh, wrapped up. It, it encapsulates like everything about this movie. Like, like I said, like, it's just a great story. You don't have to sit here and try to find yourself in it. Just enjoy it. Like it's such great writing. The animation is beautiful. Everything looks so real. The food looks real, you know, um, and you from being that area, like I'm, I'm sure you're seeing, so many places you, you already mentioned some of the like the landmarks and, and buildings and stuff like that like that's that's got to be really cool for you to see as well like even like animated and, and not just like a real, a real like, even the daisy mart like that's such a thing here <laughs> yeah oh i bet i bet yeah I, I i love that that character um i i, I did have like some some more final thoughts here but yeah no just like i, I just think it's really funny it has a lot of heart. One of the other moments that uh, I I often 
think about is when May is in class and I think it's Miriam that is like, is like writing notes back and forth with her. She's like, are you okay? Yes. You know, are you sure? You know, like, yeah, your, your mother's outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, so it wasn't even necessarily that Miriam was, you know, kind of picking up on what May might be going through. That is so, uh, like a layer of it. But the fact that like, I see your mom here, dude. Like, so there's, some, there's gotta be something wrong. So like, like that reveal that like, oh great, the bomb's here. So um, I thought, and then you kind of alluded to it earlier about the, like bringing the pants to the school. So like, I thought that was really funny. And, and so like, I, I love it for how clever it is too. Like it's, it's very clever in its storytelling and it's showing us some things that I feel we have not seen in, in other movies. So um, I can't I can't tell people to check it out at this point because like I I would imagine you've seen it to hear us uh, you know um, talk talk about uh, it more in detail so uh, so so that's uh, so it's, so we'll wrap it up there um, I'm gonna watch this again today at, at some point uh, for sure but um, uh, Sheena I want to thank you again for giving me your time coming on the show um, really enjoyed your insight and and I, I hope um, with this movie people can learn especially like the dads the brothers the boyfriends or or friends that are boys too like you know you guys know girls like I, I hope that we can learn something from this too and let's not make puberty like taboo like you know let's talk about it people go through it and um, yeah I, I think that's really it like the, the, the world needs to be you know, less narrow-minded and, and just kind of be open to um, differences, really. And I think that's one of the things, like, I, I think one of the things that scares a lot of people are just change in general. Uh, you know, uh, can you, again, just, um, you know, talk about the podcast and where people can find you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, for sure. So if you guys want to check out some interviews of phenomenal Asian women, you can check out the tab self-confidence on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, or you can check it out on my website, thetabselfconfidence.com. If anyone would like to order a copy of Asian Women Who Boss Up, you can go to my website, sheenayapchan.com to get a copy. Um, if you forget anything I said, just Google my name, Sheena Yapchan. I'm the only Sheena Yapchan on the internet, so I'm really like not hard to find. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, for those that check the show notes, I'll, I'll have, um, uh, I'll probably link your name to like your Twitter or something like that. And you know, I'm sure they can go from there if they want to find your Instagram and such. Um, for me, if you guys want to carry on the conversation, uh, I'm at Podstalgic on both Twitter and Instagram. I do have a personal account on, on Twitter at Rip Citizen. That's, that's where like the, the hashtag very Asian stuff kind of, kind of started um, for, for us here. Uh, I mentioned Cobra Kai. If that's something you guys are interested in for, you know, the, the new listeners that found this um, podcast, you can find me at Cobra Kai Companion, Companion spelled with a K. Got about 94 interviews with cast and crew over there if you guys want to check that out. Um, but yep, other than that, you can find uh, me on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time uh, social media wise. So Sheena, again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you everybody for uh, listening to this episode and we'll catch you guys next time. I never met nobody like you had friends and I've had buddies. It's true, but they don't turn my tummy the way you do. I never 